Okay, so welcome to another episode of Uprising, a podcast brought to you by POC. I'm Melissa Law, Head of Marketing at POC, and I'm delighted to welcome today's podcast guest. And it's Sophie Abrahamson, who is the President of Americas for Bambooza. Very excited to have Sophie here today as we look to discuss video commerce within app. So hi, Sophie. Welcome to the podcast. And I'm going to hand over to you to give a little introduction uh, of yourself, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. Hi, everyone. And so happy to be here. Pleased to be in the podcast. Uh, well, a little bit about me. I am a marketing and e-commerce professional that after over a decade in, in retail, I ventured into tech. Uh, I want to transform the way that we shop online. Um, it so happened that I ran into my current CEO um, and we were discussing what could, uh, we were discussing um, kind of the future of online. She was doing a lot of research around China and, you know, we decided we want to reshape e-commerce together. Bear in mind that this was in 2019. So we are pre-COVID. We're, you know, ahead of this, uh, before this acceleration in terms of kind of uh, digital um, mm. and the embracement of digital tools. And live commerce or video commerce was primarily a thing that was on the rise in China. But when I looked at the stats and I saw the potential and what was going on over there, we were so strongly convinced looking at the data points and the results that this will make a difference. And that kind of set the, the first foundation of how we were going to uh, to reshape e-commerce. So I joined that, market, that, that management team as we pivoted into video commerce and I would say the rest is history. So after two and a half years of running the global commercial efforts, I was offered a position to come over and uh, run the U.S. operations. And that's what I've been doing for a year now. Fabulous. And I detect uh, not quite a New York accent there. Where where did you originally start your career and when you said you moved over to the Americas? Oh, so I'm born in Sweden, born and raised. I went to university and I had my first 10 years in retail over in Italy. Wow. If you might hear an Italian accent, not sure. Uh, and then uh, when I met my current CEO, I was working at the H&M Group over in Stockholm. So I oh, moved wow. Sweden to New York. So a proper retail background then. <laughs> it was so fabulous. Well, thank you for that. Um, I mean, you, you've touched on it there, you know, video commerce, I think. Um, it was interesting you giving us your timescales there around 2019, because you're right, we just had this huge, almost forced acceleration in digital um, which really did sort of, I guess, accelerate that innovation in markets out, outside of, I guess, some of those more innovative markets that we'd seen around that time. So I'm really interesting to hear your take on it. Um, and I guess what I'd really like to understand first is to get your take on the purpose of video commerce and how it would fit into um, a potentially a brand or retailer strategy. Um, you know, we did a recent podcast episode around the purpose of app, um, which was all around mainly things like customer retention, loyalty, having a channel there for your your most, I guess, your your best uh, customers, and really being able to take them off that acquisition strategy and run them slightly separately. Um, so I'm really interested to hear what you think the purpose of video commerce is from a brand or a retailer's perspective? Um, well, I probably would start by saying if you as a retailer look at how everyone currently is interacting online, that goes from your free time you're spending on, on social apps to how we're on 
FaceTime with families or friends or how we are in different hangouts uh, at work, we interact in, you know, using video mm. while the shopping experience to a large extent is still static in e-commerce pages. So I think it's about mirroring the online behavior of, of everyone. We are mm. living online and we are doing so using video. The second part is one, one is making sure that we have this seamless transition from how you move around on the internet and how you end up shopping on the internet using the same mediums. The second part is e-commerce and marketing, because I would bundle them together, have for a very long time, for decades, since I got into this 20 years ago, been very one directional. Uh, it started off, you know, websites explaining where you want to go, sending you emails and newsletters, uh, pushing you around on the website, suggesting your products, uh, marketing being everything from polished magazines to, you know, very fancy marketing video and campaigns. There's really never been this true dialogue between the retailer and the consumer. An interactive video is exactly uh, kind of bridging that gap. So I would say in a social context where we are right now, where consumers are becoming increasingly aware of anything, anything from supply chain impact to social causes that retailers stand behind, or just if you know they know they are voting with their wallets, they know that where they're placing their money will affect how the world will look. And they also are becoming more and more mindful about how they're spending that money because economy is currently a bit challenging. So I think it's never been more important for a retailer or a brand to know their customers and to listen to their customers and have the courage to be, I usually say it, it requires quite some courage to be transparent and, and authentic. And that is what you do in, in video commerce. You talk to your customers, you get their feedback through the chat, you have two-way video conversations. There's no way you can dodge the tricky questions. There's no way a consumer can't get answers to, you know, whatever um information they might be asking for and this can you know it goes in both directions it can be anything from getting personalized advice understand how to take care of a piece of garment or what foundation to pick for your skin tone all the way down to understanding how their supply chain or how they think about returns and different consumers want to know different things and putting those things together the online behavior and the video and the fact that the modern consumer if you respect the modern consumer, you need to be authentic and transparent. Um, putting those two things together, I would say that video commerce is a given. That, that that was, you know, really interesting. And I think I think that's really opened to my mind up a little bit more around what video commerce is or what video, video commerce can be. Um, really, I think up until recent years my concept of sort of digital video has been really one way and that's like sending that message out but you really talk about it from a perspective of it being this two-way engagement and this interactive engagement which I guess is a game changer right because um we've if, even if you think about it from a customer services point of view we've been very um used to um, you know, sending messages out digitally and, you know, waiting for an agent to get back to us or maybe even self-serving on, on frequently asked questions. But it sounds like it's an opportunity. Video commerce gives an opportunity to put that human connection in with your um, with your brand's consumers and to really sort of build in that relationship and making a little bit more meaningful, perhaps, which is quite interesting uh, considering now we're all talking 
in the world of things like generative AI and so on, it's it's very much sort of putting human front and center. I mean, is that your your thinking around it or? You're making a great point. I think, especially from a consumer loyalty perspective, uh, we know that we tend to be more loyal to the coffee shop where we know the barista. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we know that human connections adds value in a way that's it's not necessarily tangible, but it makes a difference when it comes down to making decisions in in all aspects of life. So I think, um, and online we know that a loyal consumer has 22 times the value of a new consumer. Not to mention, you know the the work that lays behind acquiring new customers online and human connections and interactive dialogue makes a difference. We look at video commerce from two perspectives. One is the more kind of entertaining social commerce angle of having a live stream or a video going out to the many and then having more of a social context where everyone's chatting and discussing and asking questions and the host is, you know, interacting and sharing or where you have a two-way video. So it's one consume one client or customer talking to a representative of your retailer brand that could be anything but post sales to very complex sales like a very skilled um store associate so we kind of bridge them both and i think if you as a retailer are going to survive and thrive because we're going to need to do both uh i think survival right now requires you to be close to your customers because only if you're close to your customers you will understand how to stay relevant and then if you want to thrive in the long run, I think you will need to have this interactive relationship. So going back to what you said, it's very much about customer loyalty and that kind of human connection. And we're all craving it in all aspects of mm. life. I don't see why the relationship with a retailer online should be any different. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good point. And and I think, yeah, we're hearing a lot of that in the market. You know, there's it, it's it's great for you know, retail shows to be happening again now so we can go and learn from each other and listen to what retailers have to say. And I think two of the sort of messages that I think I've really heard in the last year is that there's this need now for retailers because of the economic difficulties um, that you mentioned, that there's a bit more of a fight for this share of wallets, um, that there's a real need for retailers to start to look at providing a bit more entertainment now in the shopping experience um, to really um, to, to secure that share of the customer's wallet. It's not just... Yeah, it's very different if you're just going to buy, you know, you're going to buy groceries and so on, then necessities. But if you're trying to encourage a consumer to spend uh, that precious money that they have now on something that isn't a necessity, you have to go above and beyond, really. So I think looking at that word, uh, that wording that you chose there around surviving and thriving, it seems to be that a lot of people are thinking that that's the key to to success there I think um, especially now we know that people are used to this sort of content on their social media channels and it, it, you know it's obviously um, becoming that sort of entertainment the, the way that people get entertainment um, yeah. and then the other the other thing that I thought was quite interesting the other thing that we hear is really that um, that there has been that massive surge in digital as you said, because of the pandemic. And I think there was this thought that there would be a big rush back into sort of physical world shopping. And what we're seeing is actually it's not a big rush. People do love digital, but they also do like going out shopping, but their behaviours may have changed. So there's a lot of focus on merging those two worlds. So how how do you see that video commerce can 
can sort of help a, a retailer or brand in that sort of physical world, I guess. Well, you know, as I used to be a marketeer, so I can always go back to human behavior when I <laughs> try to talk to customers because that's what I've been drilled in for, for decades, I think. Now more than ever, if you want to have customers leave their comfy homes because we all built out a very different stay-at-home situation during COVID and go places you need to add value. Um, and then there's an increased, I think, expectation on things just being um, smooth, that you know, transactions or things. I remember listening to a, um, a C-level talking about um, how their greatest fear is that people are going to their store putting together a bunch of different things on their list and then coming home and have missed one piece. So they can't put together a project or a piece of furniture. So I think where we see that we add value, not we, where I think video commerce adds value is where you can have this pre-sales and post-sales connections that feels genuine. So I used to talk about two use cases. Imagine this suburban dad waiting, uh, expecting a second child thinking about how to put together the new kid's room. He's putting together a list, but instead of navigating the different website, he goes on a one-to-one -one video call. He gets a sales associate to help him out to you know, make sure he gets every single item he needs from the store. After the conversation, she or he emails him a list. He takes a list or he they even directly send it out to the nearest store, making sure that everything he wants is in store, in that specific store. He goes over, he wants to still you know, walk the floor, get inspiration, touch things, make sure that whatever he was planning on buying actually meets his expectations. He has a list, he runs it, he checks it off. Everything is in store in that specific uh, location. He checks out and it goes home. And then maybe he goes on to watch a, a live show where they're putting together inspirational ideas around how to you know, decorate your kid's room. That's just one way where both solutions come into play of a very seamless and very customer-centric experience where I want to meet my customer before they go to my store, making sure that they get everything they need, all the information, instead of asking chatbots or trying to put together a list in an Excel spreadsheet themselves for having a, a wish list on my website they can't pull up on their phone. I'm just going to make sure I, I cater to them everything they need before they go to store. That's kind of that educational adding value from a proper shopping perspective. But I think we have a lot of consumers that have different use cases. Imagine you're a teenager and you're from a smaller town and you know that in the flagship store of your favorite cosmetics brands in the larger city where you rarely have the opportunity to go, they're doing these really cool events with celebrity stylists or celebrity makeup artists. And you so dearly would like to be part of that event to just learn and, you know, get the pieces, you know, uh, get advice and then come home with a goodie bag. But instead of having to, you know, organize and then find the money to go to that flagship store and take that one day off from work you can tune in on a live show. You get maybe even exclusive access. You can still ask your questions. You feel part of a social, entertaining environment. Uh, and maybe everyone that was part of that unique live stream during the live, they get that goodie bag if they check out during the stream. So you're kind of catering that social, entertaining experience to customers that for whatever reason that day couldn't be in the store. So one of the best parts of what my team and myself are doing right now is that we're working with endless use cases with great retailers and brands, and we literally have an open field. I just tell you, I this team has a toolbox and the only thing putting limitation on how a specific retailer can maximize video commerce 
it's their thinking. Um, so the more successful clients uh, my team has, they are the clients that think outside of the box. And I go, start yeah. with the use case, figure out who's your target customer and think, how do I add value to that specific customer? And you might come up with, you want to have both the one-to-many shows and the one-to-one video conversations. And you want to, you might even want to combine them, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so exciting because all of a sudden we're just making shopping so seamless and so much more engaging and fun. Yeah. I mean, you've just talked through use cases that I now have decided I absolutely need. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> funny in my in my shopping life. Um I actually had a friend this week uh you know WhatsApp our friendship group and say, oh I'm going to a wedding and I'm I'm gonna have to go shopping for a dress and it has to be this colour but I just don't want to go shopping. And then I was thinking just as you're talking through then, how amazing would it be to be able to have that video call or that video um, conversation with a store associate, give them your brief and then make that appointment and they've picked out those outfits and picked out all of those things for you when you walk in. It would just make it so, so seamless. There's, there's, like you say, endless use cases. And, you know, I can just add to that one. There are certain people that would love to go on a video and talk to someone and then there are people like, I'd rather not. But then we have an entire category of, of video right now that is all about, we call it evergreen educational content so imagine you and i used to go back to male shoppers the average man when he shops online he knows what he's after he's not very adventurous you know the fashionistas (laughs) exist but they aren't the majority the majority of male shoppers just want to know what they're going to go buy and they don't want sizing to ever change or the color bath to ever be a slight (laughs) difference um so Imagine a brand, we have these examples, we have a bunch of those examples over in Europe where brands are doing how to pick the right, let's talk about how to pick the right shirt for a wedding as a man or mm. how to go, how have the right underwear to suit certain dresses as a woman. And those videos doesn't necessarily have to be one-to-one or live. I can just go and say, oh, there's mm. how to pick the right bra given I'm having a, you know, open back dress. Or a man yeah. can say how to like the five staples to go through wedding season because men have the, in a lot of cases, they're fortunate. They can kind of not have a separate, different outfit every time. So like giving them the staples, giving them the, the instructions, giving them the how-tos. And these materials are highly appreciated by consumers. They have, people tend to watch them almost entirely, come back, rewatch them. And you do them once and you just put them up on your website and you are adding so much value to your end consumer yeah I mean you're saying it now and it's it feels like a no-brainer as a consumer because you know we're I think we're all used to now if we're looking to answer a question about something it's I wouldn't say about fashion particularly at this point but if we're used to asking a question about something we're now used to going to YouTube or something like that to get the answer we're very sort of used to getting that answered in the form of video or something like that and usually it's you know it's non-brand related so it makes complete sense that a brand would put out their own you know tutorials or educational type pieces of content there to really sort of help their consumer along the way um it yeah i i I need to find these websites (laughs) i have to um so so Based on that, you mentioned when you did your intro, um, obviously one of the things that interested you in video commerce was um, how 
um, I guess, Asia had been using it. So is there anything we can learn from those other markets where video commerce seems to become more of the norm that can help brands, um, say, across North America or Europe and so on? Um, that's a really good question. I usually refer to what we're seeing over in China to something very specific, primarily because they live in a very specific online landscape. They're like a one-app kind of society. Mm-hmm. I think the Western countries were way more... Um, we have way more outlets. We have dot coms. We have different apps. We don't. We don't live and breathe in one app. So I think behavior will always be different given kind of where we start. Mm. However, what we have learned from from those markets, and you know, that's one of the reasons we're sitting here today, is that we thought there's something we can take from this market and bring it to the Western consumer. We just need to listen very carefully to the consumer, to the retailers. Mm-hmm. So what we have seen, for example, one interesting difference was that a preconception. Uh, or like a yeah a preconception of video commerce was that it had to be very intense, very promotion driven, and these three hour shows just promoting and promoting items. We went to market and we said we believe that a lot of retailers are primarily struggling with conversion funnels. They know that a person from the first touch point to the actual conversion, depending on complexity and cart value, might go from twenty four hours to even. 20 days and that's a big risk and it's a lot of money at stake so if we can use video to shorten that conversion uh we are adding a lot of value to the retailers while you know educating or entertaining the the consumers so what we have seen over in i would say europe uh apac such as japan and korea and in north america is that complex sales expensive items they say really valid video. Video commerce adds that explanation. You get answers to all your questions. You can go into details. You can justify price points. You can explain why you're picked that specific color, um, which is different from, from China. Now, I'm kind of derailing from your question, but I think there's a lot of things we can learn from there. Mm-hmm. I think some people tend to say, look, well, you know, if you want to see the future, look to Asia and we do, uh, but we also see difference between how clients are applying our video commerce technology in Japan, which is still Asia, uh, mm-hmm. very differently from from the Chinese market. So I think it comes back to the consumer uh, and where where we add the most value. Yeah, absolutely, uh, makes complete sense. Um, but it it isn't, I guess, you know, it does feel a little bit more um, of a, a a market that needs to sort of grow a lot more in um, North America and Europe and so on. So I guess it can feel a bit daunting um, for prospects to to maybe your retailers to get started in the video commerce journey. Um, but it sounds like there's so much value in there for them doing it. So how could they get started in video commerce from both, I guess, a technology point of view, which I guess is what Bumbiza is all about, but also from a content perspective, because obviously um, it's all driven by the content and you've mentioned different types of content um, that could be used for different types of use cases. How do you see that it's, it's you know, how do they get started on this and start seeing some of the value? You know, I could talk about this for hours. So let me <laughs> just try to be as as concise and, and, and um, short as I can here. I think starting point would be to tell a retailer that more than 56% of Americans today have been watching a video shopping show, a live show that you can shop from. 
that should tell you that one out of two Americans know about this technology. So the perception of this being something daunting in you, not really something people know of, that's not correct. This is here. I think where we have to do the majority of the work is to have the retailers adapt to something that's already on every consumer's mind. How do you do it? Um, I would say we were a bamboozers technology and in the whole setup was built for the low five, go do it yourself kind of shopping experience. There's the minimum requirement to run a successful live video commerce show. It's three people and a smartphone. It doesn't have to be more complex. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, if you'd like to, you go all the way to do like a television, um, you know, production expectation. We, we can support everything, but we usually say start small and grow with the business. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be more complex than, than a small little team with a couple of ideas. Going back to how do you get started? You set your strategy based upon who's your target audience. Do you need to add value from a entertaining perspective? Are you after aspirational shoppers that needs inspiration that we need to push across the conversion as quickly as we can then you might be working with creators event-driven promotions exclusive drops uh, you might do a lot of heavy promotion on social media channels in your crm are you maybe after a client that an existing client that you need to educate you want to you know coming back to my previous use case do you have clients that you need to give more advice before they complete a sales? Are you selling something that requires more education? For example, are you selling complex skin regimens or smart home setups? Then your live shows should probably have more of an educational focus. And I would say you go after and you go find the true stars within your sales associates. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be that hard. It, you don't have have to do everything you start small you go i'm going to find a little team we're going to grab a smartphone we're going to get the technology and then we're going to say where do we the quickest the low-hanging kind of a low-hanging fruit moment add the most value then as you get used to the technology you realize it's not at all as scary as you think it is then you start thinking about okay how can i make this how can i build this up can i should i do daily lives weekly lives uh, monthly should i do events and mm -hmm. that is where i think Companies like Bamboozer has been around now for more than three years. We have so much expertise and we have so many data points. You know, we can we can find you cases from any part of the globe and all the data points to let, guide you to kind of how to cut the corners and get there. Uh, but first, I would say for, first and foremost, where do you where does video add the most value to your existing customer base? And don't overthink it. Mm. Then if, if I'm talking to C-level, I would or some a business owner, I would say, Put video at the very heart of your retail uh, initiatives online because it will, you know, it will by default trickle down to everything else. Uh, but if it's about getting started, you have to throw yourself out, throw mm -hmm. yourself out there right now. If you spoke to me two years ago and I would have told you, you know what, there will be head of video commerce, live shopping experts. No one would have believed me. Now they are there. Mm -hmm. And if I tell you two years from now, the majority of purchases will happen in video. I hope you believe me, but that means that you need to get started now. Your first Instagram or Facebook posts were not the most successful ones. It takes time to find your magic formula. Get started now. When expectations are still low, when you still have a lot of ideas to explore, you have, you might be really good at working the first mover advantage and, you know, being that early bird that catches all the worms, but get started. Because when we really hit the mass adoption, you want to be that retailer that has figured it out on their end, right?
Yeah, I mean, just listening to you speak before you even said that right at the end, it really felt there was a lot of synergies with this um, to social media marketing um, a few years ago. And unfortunately, yes, we do still see that there's some laggards in that now who are desperately trying to uh, to get themselves sort of organized around that side now because they're seeing the results where where we saw some not even early adopters but people who saw the power of that um, are sort of really reaping the benefits of 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 knowing how all of that works so it sounds very similar from a video commerce perspective that it feels like this is going to be the way that people shop people interact with brands the stats that you you said earlier around the consumer uh, and how they're doing it sounds like it's already there. It just needs the the retailers and the brands to get out there and start doing it. And the the consumers will will tell you what they like, what they don't like, and you can adapt your strategies around that. Um, you know, and usually I I understand that because I've been running marketing departments, department and ecom departments myself you have a, a lot of KPIs. You're always short of staff. There's never enough time. Budgets are in you know moments like this. Budgets are really tight. But if someone would have told me 10 years ago that there's a way to keep a customer in average for nine minutes, and that's the average. Mm-hmm. Imagine we could go to 20 minutes. Keep a customer for nine minutes on your website. will give you a 10 to 15% conversion rate on that audience. I would have done everything in my power back then to drive as much as my online traffic to that specific page. And that specific page would have been a live show. Mm -hmm. Same thing goes for if I know there's an online direct communication with my consumer in a two-way video call that doubles in average the cart value and has a conversion of over 60% of everyone dialing into one of these conversations, 60% of converting. I would do everything in my power to have as many of my customers reaching out to me in private to end up in one of those calls. So I think it's a mindset mind, mindset shift that needs to happen where the ones that are steering these large departments realizes end goal here is to maximize sales and have customer satisfaction, create customer loyalty. What is maybe the most unexpected and maybe a tool that require new ways of working but they really 10x certain KPIs and make that decision in, in jump, you know? Mm. Uh, and that's where I do a lot of work, where I'm trying to have these retailers understand, yes, it's we're not, we haven't seen full adoption yet. Yes, it might be a bit scary to put your staff in front of a video and interact directly with customers. And yes, you will need to rethink your marketing calendar and figure out what in that specific week can go video. But there's really no other way. And the benefits when you when you figure that formula out are just astonishing. Like they're I have so much fun seeing the success of some of our customers because it's just it's just amazing. Mm. And it sounds like um, you know, you really opened my eyes to, you know, people are training their store associates. Lots of brands out there have great programs where the store associates are their experts they're their brand ambassadors they're the ones you put out in front of your customers every day so why not do that on video for example it sounds like there's a lot of these resources to leverage this already around a lot of businesses um so it's just like you say it's that almost rethinking sort of slightly reframing um and bringing maybe some of those two worlds together and it's also kind of giving back power to your uh, your sales associates. I think 
in most retailers, for most retailers, for physical retailers, your sales associates are the heart of your business. People usually walk into your store because they trust your associates, because they like your associates. They're, how they treat your customers is how those customers are going to walk out the door feeling. And retailers, they realize the power of the associates are the retailers that should invest in technologies that empowers them. We have cases over in APAC where they are giving um, sales associates the live streams. They are becoming their own little micro influencers mm. in their, their neighborhoods. They are becoming recognizable. They are getting commissions on sales that are happening not only in the store, on the floor, but also in the videos. And they are becoming extremely loyal employees. And they're becoming probably your best ambassadors um, in that specific moment. And you're also giving them a way of exploring a complementary way of making money, a complementary profession. And the same goes for the one-to-one solution where you're having store associates and when they're not busy on the floor, they can, we have, we have retailers building out little boots or, you know, kind of small offices where they go in, they take these one-to-one calls and depending on how sophisticated you are as a retailer, the ways of queuing and routing those calls can be mind blowing. I have one retailer who has been mapping minority languages of their store associates. Imagine you're having, you're in a bigger city uh, and you have, certain clients that they're well-versed in the language of that country, but they their native language is different. They would prefer to make more complex sales in their native language. And you might have two associates speaking that language. Instead of them meeting one client every quarter that happens to walk in through the door and need to speak in Serbian or Russian or French, um, mm-hmm. they can be routed through a call and it can take 10 calls a week in that language. That's... Yeah. That's adding value to your end consumers, and that's also empowering a skill set of your, your employees. So there's there's such a cool win win situation here. Mm. That's exactly what that's exactly what popped into my mind when you said that. I was like, that's just a win win, right? <laughs> it's uh... yes, you know, the only you know the only backside of this coin here is that you will have to rethink your ways of working as a retailer. And I know because I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that's easy because I've done change management. I've procured platforms. I've trained teams. I was part of when social media became a thing, when influencer marketing became a thing. And it literally, you know, you threw everything up in the air a bunch of times in these departments. It's tricky. But the good thing is that it's been going on now, this shift for three years. So there are a lot of ways to cut the corners. There are data points that can help you. And there are examples and customer success stories and reference clients that you can talk to to learn. So it's not, it's still new, but it's becoming uh, solid use cases. You don't have to. Yeah. And I think also, you know, for for many years now, um, businesses have been looking at digital transformations, for example, as a way of putting the customer first and trying to put those customer journeys in place. And maybe what's been prohibited with that is where you would normally put a human there, um, which hasn't always been possible. But it sounds like with video commerce, this this does make this more possible. Um, and you can maybe go back and look at those customer journeys and maybe start to insert some video commerce type stages in there that brings those a bit more to life. I mean, I absolutely loved the the language example you used there. It, it makes it sort of really, you know, like you say, putting that it, consumer first. Even, you can take it even further and say, 
you don't even need to have multiple languages, but in video sign language, all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. And that's a huge part of making your retailer experience inclusive because all of a sudden you can say anyone that prefers sign language over spoken language, they can do a video call and we're going to have representatives. We're going to have store associates that speak sign language. Coming back, you know, in the US, we have the ADA compliance, the website needs to be, you know, you need to be able to navigate and understand, even if you have visual impairments, for example, I think it's just about opening up your mind and say, if I were to, from scratch, draw the most seamless and inclusive customer journey, Mm -hmm. how would that be? And not thinking about how a website looks like now, and should we change the color of that checkout button or like add another little color, but like, what would the experience be like? And I be surprised that that experience wouldn't be seamless video interactions at this point mm-hmm. I mean I think that that leads you on to um it's not quite my last question uh but you know what do you see are the future projections for video commerce and brands but I think you've made that quite clear <laughs> in terms of you know what the future looks like but is there anything you can add to that um well I think that depending on the angle you take on video commerce, I have no doubt in my mind that a couple of years from now, this will be the majority of the online purchases. Like they will be video commerce purchases. I think also from more of a social perspective, I think we're becoming very niched. We're becoming very community oriented. People tend to prefer less open piazza and more kind of Mm. closed rooms. Um, And I think... To that extent, you need to be authentic. Uh, I think we will see a shift towards video and commerce and towards a more authentic customer relationship. I think a lot of brands will be very community-driven. They will have a lot of transparency behind the brands uh, and the consumers will request and you know expect to interact with them and that will happen through video. I also mm-hmm. think from, a, from an um, employer branding perspective, I think we will see the rise of entire new categories of professionals. You know, I was in my 20s when the influencer industry started to emerge. And I follow these uh, creators from their early days when I was working on the other end of the retailers and they were just launching ideas out there to becoming powerhouses of retail media and, and you know, marketing. I think something similar will happen here, not necessarily with all of these creators, you know, come into the video space, but there will definitely be a category of professionals within e-commerce that no one had foreseen five years ago. There will be video commerce professionals. May that be in front of the camera, strategizing content, producing that content from a video perspective or or managing entire departments. You know, Mm. I cannot wait to see the first VP of video commerce starting to pop up on LinkedIn because I'm sure that's where we're heading. And it's very exciting to be able to be part of building an industry because I think that's what Bamboo and a lot of uh, video commerce companies right now, we are building an industry and we are laying the foundations for new generations of professionals uh, to do something that no one thought of five years ago. Yeah. And I think, you know, myself being a marketing professional as well, I find that so exciting um, as well. That There's this this whole new area opening up to, you know, what will be young marketeers but as you say they may come from other areas of the business and carve uh, carve out this whole new sort of subsector which is is really exciting stuff um 
And I can't believe we've spoken for this amount of time and we've just had the first uh, use of the word community <laughs> as well, because that's such a big topic at the moment, uh, as well as how do you get that community um, amongst your your customers. So, yeah, it all makes complete sense. I think community creates itself in an organic way if you are open to dialogue. There's there's no human interactions that starts on a drawing board. They start by people connecting to each other. And as long as you as a retailer are doing one-way marketing campaigns or static e-com communications, that community will never grow. You will only get the community once you invite people in. Mm. And inviting people in from a online digital perspective means bringing them into a video conversation where you interact. Mm. So for me, community is part of the uh, kind of the bamboozer's entire marketing strategy is, is community driven because community is kind of what lays behind um, video. But yeah, we haven't mentioned it in such an outspoken way, but there you go. <laughs> no, it's fabulous. Thank you very much. Um, right. Well, um, I guess we come to my last question, which is what we always end the podcast on to anytime we have a guest. Um, but uh, POC apps completely aside, uh, we ask everyone, uh, what app would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, so something that you either use on a regular basis um, that you believe makes your life that little bit better. Any suggestions from you, Sophie? Well, I am an avid reader. I read a lot, but not always do I have the time to sit down. Uh, very rarely do I have that right now. So <laughs> big, uh, big fan of the app Audiobooks. Oh, great. Yes. I think, you know, I'm working, I'm, I'm walking to my office, I'm in an airport waiting for a flight, I'm going through my outfits in my wardrobe on a Sunday, I'm cooking dinner on a Friday night. Uh, if it's not music, it's definitely me listening to a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my current two favorite listens on that app, if anyone wants to, suggestions would be, they're both business oriented at this time, but I guess that goes within the, you know, the focus of this podcast, the one will be never split the difference about negotiation. And the other one would be the ride of a lifetime from uh, Bob Iger of Disney. Those are two really great lessons. Oh, I mean, that's brilliant. We love book recommendations as well. So thank you very much for that. And also, I couldn't, uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. I personally did quite a long drive recently and uh, audiobooks got me through that. So um, I, I'm with you on that one. That's a great one. So thank you. You know, I love podcasts too, but I think we sometimes forget that books so much (laughs) things in books just don't have the time. But we can find time if we just listen to them instead. So yeah, Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very good. Uh, very good point. Well, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Sophie. Um, thank you to our audience for listening as always. Uh, so if you want to learn more um about video commerce. Now, please go onto the Bamboozer website. Um, I mean, I've been on there. There's lots of really informative resources on there. I know that you have. If anyone is looking at how to get started, um, and I mean, I think it's the the one takeaway I've got from this uh, conversation today is brands really should be looking into this now um, and working out how they put this into their strategy. So the Bamboozer website is certainly a great place to start. Um, and, uh, I do hope everyone tunes in again for more app insights, but on that note, I'd just like to thank you once again, Sophie, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And to anyone listening, don't be a stranger, reach out, 
doesn't mean you have to start today, but at least we can start having the conversation. It's, it's a fascinating and fun conversation. Mm-hmm.